morning. How are we doing today? So, you guys know what time it is. When I'm up here, you know what we're going to do. So let's go ahead. Let's get ready. Let's go ahead and stand on up. Stand on up. Take a nice stretch. Open up that chest. We don't want anybody to break anything this morning. All right. You guys ready? Count of three. One, two, three. Thank God it's Sunday. Woo. All right. Have a seat. Have a seat. Well, good morning. Um, it's great to be here with you guys. Um, I'm excited uh, to be up here again. Um, I was excited. And then Satan really started coming after me Friday after work. Still not feeling very good. On the, on the back, you know, on the up and up. Uh, but he started kind of coming after me Friday after work. Started to feel a little tingle in my throat. And I was like, oh, you better stop it. You better stop it. So I tried to get ahead of it, you know. I usually, I don't like to run to medicine, but I was like, you know what, I'm not taking the chance. So I jumped on the medicine. Didn't help. Made things worse automatically. Didn't like it. Why did this happen to me? So then yesterday was when it got really bad. Body's aching, can't breathe. And I'm like, man, Satan is trying. He's really trying. And then this morning, and I can kind of feel like things are going to, are gonna, like Satan is still trying to come after us. So then this morning, me and Sam, you know, didn't start off on the best foot. Um, and then Adam, he's just throwing up for no reason. Just throwing up. Well, maybe Sam knows. I don't know. He's just like, just don't get it on me because I have to preach. <laughs> so I'm holding him. I'm holding him out this way. I'm like, come on, here, go to your mom. <sighs> you know, but things for the most part have been good in our household. School is going well. I'm enjoying it, learning a lot, uh, but ready to be done. Work is work. Uh, ready to experience something different in my field. And really enjoying fatherhood. It's been amazing. But of course, it comes with its challenges, its frustrations, and its confusions. Lots of confusions. He's fed. He's slept. His diapers changed, but he's crying his eyes out. I'm like, what is the matter with you, kid? What is wrong with you? I'm so confused. (laughs) I've done everything I needed to. Why are you yelling at me? (laughs) Lots of confusions. Times where I've felt like punching a hole in the wall. Um, Times where I'm just like, I can't. I can't with this kid right now. And I'm just being honest with you. I'm being real. But despite all of that, I love it. I love it. When he does calm down and I'm holding him and he's, I'm like, you little monster. (laughs) I love you. But I look forward to seeing him grow each and every day. You know, but as he he gets older, you know, I'm trying to make sure that I keep myself in in somewhat decent shape. Uh, You know, I hurt my shoulder a while ago. So I was like, you know what? It's been like two months. I should probably go see Garth and get this taken care of. So then, you know, he tells me to go do therapy, and I'm like, really? And he's like, do you want to be 40 and come back to me for the same thing? I'm like, no. No, I don't want to do that. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to try to take care of myself, because as he gets older, I want to be able to beat him in sports. I don't want him to beat me. I don't ever want him to be able to say, I beat my dad. But I also want him to be impressed with me as his father. I want him to be impressed with my leadership in our household. 
I want him to be impressed with uh, my love for God, my walk with God. I want him to be impressed with how much I love his mother. So then I started thinking about this idea of impressing, trying to impress somebody, uh, wanting to leave an impression. And I started thinking about how, for the most part, it's in our nature to want to impress people. You know, what's the select few, of course. But many of us have this, this desire to impress people. We want people to look at us and go, wow, like that, that person, they're, they're doing it. They're cool. They're awesome. They got it together. And, and for me, you know, I can, I can sometimes want to impress too much. You know, and so impressing is, is we desire to have that respect and that admiration from others. And, you know, back in my campus days as a, as a student, you know, I used to love to get dressed to impress. You know, for Sundays, for conferences, for retreats, for whatever it was, right? I used to love to get dressed. And then, and then that one day I just stopped caring. And a sister comes up to me. She's like, what happened to you? <laughs> Excuse me? She's like, wow, you used to dress so nicely. Like, because I stopped caring about trying to impress people with how I looked and tried to impress people with my spirituality. I wanted people to be impressed with how much I loved God, not how nice my shoes were. And people love to, to impress so much that they will make sacrifices with their families. They will make sacrifices for their jobs. They will compromise who they are as a person uh, just for the sake of leaving an impression. People will, will go through extraordinary lengths so that we can be impressed by their product, by what, who they are, what they believe. But has, has it ever crossed our minds to try to impress Jesus? Have you ever thought, man, I want to impress Jesus? Right? We try to impress other people. We try to impress our families. But Jesus, the one who really needs to be impressed by our faith, have we ever considered that? You know, you know when something is about to, to go down when someone says, yo, watch this. That means I'm going to try to impress you with whatever stupid thing I'm about to do. <laughs> right? And so, again, in my campus days, me and the brothers had a lot of, hey, watch this. And, you know, they didn't always go well, but it was fun. But have you ever just said, you know what, I'm going to impress the mess out of Jesus today. Like, he's going to be so impressed, he's not going to know what to do with himself. You know, throughout the Bible, we read stories of men and women who had amazing faith, and they left lasting impressions on God. But what does it mean to impress Jesus? I saw some of your faces. You're like, what? Impress Jesus? Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean trying to win or earn your salvation. That's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that I'm trying to get extra brownie points so that when I get in heaven, I can have this big mansion over here while everyone is over here. It doesn't mean that I'm trying to impress Jesus so I can sit closer to him when I get there. What it means is trying to make someone, Jesus, feel admired and respected. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. So we're going to be doing some Bible flipping today. I have no slides for you. Decided to give Kofi the morning off. So be ready to flip them pages. I know Jeff will appreciate that. He likes people using their Bibles. <laughs> so in verse 5, it says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. 
Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes, and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And he said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. So today's title is Great Faith Impresses Jesus. And my first thought is, you better recognize. You know, one of our goals should be to try to impress Jesus with our great faith. Right? And my hope is that one day we will all be commemorated for the faith that we had when we were trying to follow Jesus. But in order to impress Jesus, you first have to know him. You first have to know who he is, what he likes, what impresses him. You know, back when I was digging on Samantha, who wasn't my wife yet at the time, I had to figure out what she liked, what she didn't like, what she enjoyed to do, what caught her attention. So it was lots of, hey, check this out. No? Didn't work? Okay. How about this? Check this out. Oh, that one got her. Okay. You know, but it's, it's learning who Jesus is. Knowing who Jesus is in order to be able to leave that impression. If you don't know who Jesus is, you won't recognize Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you can't impress Jesus. We know that this soldier, he recognized Jesus because he called him Lord. When he approached Jesus, that first word that came out of his mouth helped us know that he knew who Jesus was because he called him Lord. And you can pick up on that. As you read throughout the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, when people approach Jesus, what is the first thing that they say to him? That will give you an indication of how they view Jesus. So when you come before Jesus, how do you approach him? Do you call him Lord, teacher, father? Well, however you, you acknowledge Jesus says a lot about how you view him. You know, in verse 7, Jesus asked the centurion, he said, should I go and heal him? And, and his response says, I understand who you are, Jesus. And I'm going to reply in a way that shows you that. So what the centurion recognized about Jesus was that this was Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, who rose on the third day so that we can be reconciled to God. He is the Messiah who lived a life without sin, who endured and faced trials and persecutions, endured and even did it better than we did. This is Jesus who had the ability to do anything with just the sound of his voice. And it it would happen. Who came into the world not to condemn it, but to save it. This is the guy that stood before him, and this is the same guy that stands before us each and every day. In the scriptures, when we read about those who had that insight, when they stood before Jesus, it showed in their faith. In Matthew 26, you can just write this down. In Matthew 26, verse 6 through 13, the woman who poured the expensive perfume on Jesus' feet and wouldn't stop kissing his feet, she recognized who Jesus was. And because of her faith, Jesus told her that she would always be remembered, and her story would always be told. In Matthew 16, verse 15 through 20, Jesus asked his disciples, What about you? 
Who do you say I am? Who do you say Jesus is? Peter responded, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And because of Peter's response, because of his insight, because he recognized Jesus, Jesus said, you receive the keys to the kingdom. In Luke 19, verse 1 through 10, Zacchaeus understood who was coming into his town. And he ran up that tree. He's like, I got to see this guy. He did whatever he could. Jesus looked at him and said, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. His response displayed that he understood who Jesus was. And because of his faith, salvation came to his house that day. That day he received salvation. But before we can go on to do great things with our faith, you better recognize the centurion, what I, what I admire about him was that he had great humility. He had great humility, which leads to great faith. In the scriptures that we just mentioned, what you see is humility in each and every one of those people. The woman was not afraid to get on her knees to take something that could have lasted her a whole year probably and pour it all on Jesus' feet to worship him. Zacchaeus was not embarrassed to climb up the tree so that he could see who Jesus was. Peter spent so much time with Jesus, though he made many mistakes, recognized that this is the Messiah. Where else should I go? Humility and faith, they go hand in hand. Do we have that type of humility? Do we have that humility when we stand before Jesus? Do we have that humility in our one another discipling relationships? Are we real? Are we vulnerable with each other? Are we willing to let our hearts be just put out there? Are we willing to do that? When we come together and share about the things that we're going through, do we share with a guarded heart because we want to impress our fellow brothers and sisters? Do we keep things back? Are we selective with what we decide to share? Because we don't want people to think we're struggling. We want people to think that we're strong in our faith. But this is, we all know that's not true. We have periods of strongness. Don't, don't get me wrong. But we're all going through things at different points in our lives where we have to be real. And there's times where we don't want to do that. Even coming up here, got to preach. I can pretend like everything is okay, but no, it's not. I'm okay with that. Because when we're honest with each other, that's when we can get the help we need. In our marriages, are we, are we humble with our spouses? Are we humble with our spouses? Are we vulnerable with our spouses? You know, there's a time where not, not too long ago, me and Sam had a, a talk about just where we are in our marriage. And it's like, I got to be honest. It's, it's embarrassing and it's hard to say, but there's times where I'm afraid to be vulnerable with you. And it's not because of anything that she's done, but it's because of my own things. I'm afraid to be hurt, right? I'm afraid to give someone that power that they could hurt me. But it's not about giving someone power, but it's about being free from the things that's holding us back. Parenthood, you know, my long, long four months of experience. If you need any help, up to four months, I got you. But there's, there's temptations that are real when it comes to being a father. And there's things that, you know, I, can, I cannot want to share because I want, I want people to be impressed with Adam. Like, yeah, you know, he's rolling over. Like, he's only four months, but he's about to start walking. You know what I'm saying? You know, we went to Target earlier this week. I was like, yo, you better get one of these applications because you're going to start working. 
you know, but as he gets older, I'm going to have to really fight that. I'm going to have to be okay with being real about my son sucks and I don't know what to do with him. Please help me. I'm going to have to be real about where he's at. I'm not to be real about the things that he's going through. And if I'm not real about that, how am I going to help him? I'm doing him a disservice when I'm not being real about the things that I face as being a parent. Right? But there's that temptation of, I want people to be impressed with my kid. I want them to look at him and go, oh, wow, that's the Jones kid. Oh, he's, he's so great. That kid, he's so amazing. He is amazing. But there's times where he's not. But I still love him. But are we trying to impress the world and one another with the wrong motives? Do we have the wrong motives? Jesus asked the centurion, he said, should I come and heal your servant? The centurion replied, I, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Like, not, not, do I, not only do I expect you to not heal this guy, I don't, even deserve, I don't even think you should come under my, under my house. Like, Jesus didn't ask him anything about his house. He said, should I heal him? He said, you don't, even, you don't even belong under my roof. How would you respond in that situation? If you were on the other, other, other side of that and Jesus asked you, what would you tell Jesus? What would your response be? You see, he could have said anything. He could have said, well, you know, are you going to heal him or not? He's just a servant. I, I, I can replace him. Honestly, that this man had the type of uh, role that he was in it's, it's, even a, it's even surprising that he would even care this much to go out of his way. Because the guys in this role, these centurion, these, shol- these soldiers, they, they were very the opposite <laughs> of this guy. They didn't have this humility, and we're going to look at that. But with their history, they didn't even have to, to care about their servant. He could have just replaced them. He could have got another one. But it was his responsibility to take care of him. And so he says, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you heal this guy. A sense of entitlement, it doesn't get you very far. It gets you brought to your knees. Turn with me to 2 Kings verse five, chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 1. We're looking at Naaman. Naaman didn't have the same humility as the centurion in Matthew chapter 8. This guy, he had a sense of entitlement. And so we're going to look at the, the same story with a different approach. In verse 1 it says, Now Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels a gold of, of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. 
As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elijah's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him to say, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought, I thought he would surely come out to me, stand and call on the name of his Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Pafar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all these waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he went off in rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. You see, Naaman had a a sense of entitlement. He wanted God to perform this big, extravagant thing. He's like, I want you to come and I want fireworks, and I want you to call on the name of God, and I want fire to come down from the heavens, and then I want to be cured. Do you have the same types of entitlement? Do you feel like you deserve to have Jesus come do things for you? You see, sometimes after we've been following Jesus for some time, we can feel entitled. Like, Jesus, I've given up everything to follow you. I've left everything behind. I've given up jobs, friends. I've moved to Connecticut. I moved from New York to follow you. You deserve to come and do this for me. Don't you remember, Lord, I devoted myself to you. For however long I've been following you, come and do this for me. Or do you remember that you deserve absolutely nothing from God but wrath? Do you remember that? You see, we can see a stark contrast between these two men. Jesus told the centurion in Matthew, just say the word and it will be done. Naaman's attitude was one you would typically get from someone in that line of work, arrogant, entitled, but not with the guy in Matthew. Do we trust in God this way? Do we trust that God, if you say it from a distance, it can happen? If you just say it, it can happen. Do we have that type of faith in God? Do we trust in God? Do we have that confidence? Or are you Naaman? God, show me something big. Do something crazy, and then I'll believe in you. Then I'll trust you. Then I'll do that thing that you put on my heart. In this manner, God won't be impressed with us. He won't be impressed with our faith. You know, the faith, this faith impressed Jesus so much that Jesus, he had to let everybody know about it. There are two things in the Bible where you see where Jesus is impressed. It's this one. And it's the opposite. Jesus was impressed by great faith 
but he was also impressed by a lack of faith. Which one of these do you want to be? Jesus said to the to centurion in verse 10, he said, When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Jesus said, I got to tell everybody about this. Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Imagine Jesus welcoming you into heaven and being introduced. I've never found someone in Stratford, Bridgeport, West Haven, New Haven, Waterbury, wherever it is that you live with such great faith. Imagine if that's how we were introduced by Jesus. Not only will we have the opportunity to impress Jesus with our faith, but you also get a seat at the table with the big boys. Jesus said because of this man's faith, he's going to sit at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like, I would like to sit at that table. Like, that's going to be some great conversations, some amazing stories. You see, we don't want faith that keeps us at the kids' table. That's, that's not fun. It's not fun. You know, and, and, and we want faith that keeps a lasting impression on Jesus. You know, we want faith that says, wow, look at what I'm doing to glorify God. Right? But not in like this, look at what my left hand is doing, look at what my right hand is doing. You know, someone who I feel like is really good at that is it, Pat. Pat Shaw. Pat Shaw and these guys over here, you know, you see their Facebook posts, you know, after their studies. And just how they use social media to glorify God. And it's not this sense of like, look at us, we just studied the Bible with somebody. It's like, look at what God is doing. And that, that encourages me. I was telling him, I was like, y'all, them boys, they getting it. Like, they getting it. Like, that's encouraging to see. Like, just how their faith continues to move. So how do we recognize Jesus? Romans ten seventeen says that, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message comes from hearing the word of Christ. In Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23, it says that when we do the will of the Father, we will enter the kingdom. But if we don't do his will, Jesus will tell us plainly he never knew us. In John 10, verse 3 through 5, he says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls on his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't, they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Do you recognize Jesus' voice? We will recognize Jesus by the amount of time that we spend with him, by doing his will and recognizing his voice. One of the things that's impressive when you look at these passages is, is when Jesus was impressed with people's faith, things happened very quickly. They happened in the moment. You hear things like they were cured immediately. They were healed in that moment. Today, salvation has come to this house, and let it be done just as you believed it would. My next thought is let it be done. You see, in verse 13, back in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus says, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And at that moment, his servant was healed. At that moment, 
How would this verse read if it was you in that situation? Would it read, five minutes later he was healed, 15 minutes, hours, days, years? How long would it take your faith to heal this servant? You know, when we think about what stops God from working in our lives, it's our faith. Our faith is what stops God from doing things that are unimaginable because we're not allowing him to work. We're not leaving that impressing, that impre- that impressing faith that Jesus will go, i got to tell everyone about this. Everyone needs to know this. But don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that if you need some time to get there that there's anything wrong with that. By all means, take as much time as you need to get your faith where it needs to be. But at the same time, understand that you don't want to wait too long. You don't want to wait too long because the days are short and they are numbered. I appreciate what Max shared, um, you know, with the, what was going on in the Ukraine. And obviously we don't really have to think about things like that here. When we leave here, we're going to go and get lunch and watch football, enjoy our Sunday. But where is your faith at? How would your faith have rewarded you in this situation? As we bring it in for a close, turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. You know, this is a passage that I I really enjoy. It's one that I turn to when, when my faith needs some readjusting. In verse 27... It says, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. When I was reading this the other day, I thought, you know, it would have been interesting if one of their sights were restored. Like, that, that, would be, that would be crazy. One guy's faith allowed his, his sight to be restored in that moment, and another guy was like, did it work? Are you, can you see? Like, I, I can see. I'm like, oh, this is embarrassing. My faith wasn't quite there. Who can you blame in that situation? But I'm glad that both of their sights were restored. But Jesus says, let it be done to you. What I love about this verse is that it's a reminder that when we have faith in God, he provides us with confirmation of our faith. What I love about this scripture is that it puts, it puts us in the driver's seat, right, because of our faith. Jesus says, I'm already here. He puts us in these different situations in life where he says, I'm here. I'm waiting for you. Whenever you're good, let me know, because it's already done. But it's according to your faith. So when we match him here, in that moment it can be done. In that moment we can, we can see how God moves. Let it be done according to your faith. How will your faith take you deeper? How will your faith drive you to make a dent in God's kingdom? How will your faith drive you to make a dent in your homes, in your neighborhoods, in your families? Faith that impresses Jesus starts with praying in your homes on your hands and knees. Asking God, 
Increase my faith, Lord. We see it in Luke 17, verse 5. The the apostles asked Jesus to increase their faith. God, let us see you do great things. We want to see your glory. We want to glorify you. These are the prayers that increase our faith. These are the prayers that impress Jesus. Living by sight limits you, but living by faith is the beginning of freedom. So let it be done as you believed it would. Amen.